Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Cruza la pelota Militao. La bola va para Vini. Tiene una amarilla Militao. Se va Vini. Qué bien se va Vini. De una noche. Chuta Vini. Gol. ¡Hala qué gol! ¡Gol ha metido! ¡Por Dios! ¡Hala qué gol tú! Ahí está Vini. No aparecía en todo el partido. Ahí lo tienes. Hello and welcome to the La Liga Lowdown Match Day 15 recap podcast. We'll be taking a look back across all the action, including that dramatic ending. We just heard it there. What a goal from Vinicius Junior to end the weekend. Matt, how are you? What did you make of the weekend action? I'm very well, thank you, Sam. Uh, another weekend of talking points and uh, some controversy, some big results, and some managers begin to feel the pressure. Yeah, so I'm Sam Leverage and this is Matt Clark and we'll be taking you through all of the weekend action. So Matt, let's get stuck in to the big game at the end of the weekend. The winner was going to go top of La Liga. Perhaps unsurprisingly, it was Real Madrid. What did you make of the game? I thought it was uh, it was quite a cagey game. I thought Sevilla started very well. I thought the approach was pretty bold from Julian Lopetegui. His, his full-backs, Acuna and Montiel, they played really advanced and really took the attack to Real Madrid and... Uh, the defensive cover from Marco Asensio in particular just wasn't really there, so Carvajal was overwhelmed quite a lot on that side. And Sevilla really kind of made inroads, and they got the opening goal quite early. Um, poor from Real Madrid's point of view, defensively from that set piece, free header for Rafa Mir. And Sevilla could have been two or three up, in fact, before half time, but then, of course, the little error from Bono there trying to catch the ball, it slips onto the post, and of course, Benzema is, is there to tap in. And then, yeah, second half again, you're thinking, OK, draw, this is going to be uh, quite a good result in terms of the league title race because it's going to keep it all tight. But then uh, Vinny, just sensational goal. Um, everything he touches turns to gold right now. And he produced yet again to be the match winner. Yeah, I mean, I think we shared it on our Twitter that the whole way through the game, you were on the WhatsApp group saying Real Madrid are going to score, Real Madrid are going to score. And... And everybody else like, oh, I'm not so sure, Matt, but you were right again. I mean, even we could Hass, see it coming, couldn't we? Even Haas doubted it. And I was like, come on, this is Real Madrid. They're going <laughs> to score the goal. Because you're a secret Madridista, Matt. We all know. Oh, no, but man. I mean, I think for me as well, with Vinicius scoring that goal, I mean, how many times have we seen Vinicius try that manoeuvre, that same cutting inside and shooting from distance? That over the last two or three years, nine times out of ten, it's ended up in row Z of mm. the Bernabeu and... <laughs> where it's still covered in tarpaulin at the moment. That's where the ball would have ended up every other time. But this time, I mean, it's very much been him this season, hasn't it? That he can kind of put those chances away. Yeah, I mean, I know Benzema's the, the top scorer, but, you know, Vinny is not far behind now. And uh, I'd argue that he's been even more decisive for them um, in terms of his, his contribution. Just the way that he can drive the ball forward and commit players, which often leaves space for Benzema to be in the box. And, and yeah, you know, Vinny's goals have been absolutely decisive. They both scored in that comeback at, against Valencia, which felt massive at the time. Uh, they both scored again tonight. And, uh, yeah, with those two in the form that they're in, I think between them they scored 20 goals, which is more than 13 La Liga sides have in total. So if you've got those two in form, and by the way, Thibaut Courtois was, was very important again, both at, um, in the first half with a couple of important saves and at the very end to keep it at 2-1. Uh, with those three, you know, Courtois, Vinny and, and Benzema, that's probably the three best in the Liga right now. Yeah, and I mean, a couple of weeks ago on Squawk, we had an article out about Vinicius and his form this season. I remember one of the key points that I made there was the 
that Vinicius really needed kind of a big night, a team against really tough opposition to come and stand out. I mean, we've seen him score against the Alaves, the Levantes, those kind of teams, but he needed a night where he could score a big goal. And I think this might well be that night to kind of propel him even further onto the next level. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he kind of builds on this one, obviously with some big games coming up in in the next few weeks. Inter, not too much riding on that game, but then the Madrid derby coming up as well. I mean, Matt, for you, I mean, we're approaching the halfway point of the season. Real Madrid are top. What odds would you give on them seeing out their campaign and, and winning La Liga? Well, of course, we must say that there is a long way to go and, you know, injuries can happen, things can go wrong. And admittedly, Real Madrid's midfield, the starting three midfield, you know, they're not getting any younger. There will need to be some rotation there. And, and they've got the depth there. They've got Fede Valverde, they've got Camavinga, they've got options. And I think Carlo will have to use those increasingly as we go through the Christmas period and, and you know, the winter months. But yeah, it's very hard to see anyone catching them right now. I mean, Atleti had a win today, which we'll, we'll go on to later. And they're kind of joint second now with Sevilla. But in terms of their form, you just don't really trust them to be consistent enough to rein Madrid in. And uh, as you say, with Madrid derby in a couple of weeks, if Madrid win that, uh, Real, that could uh, put a real distance between the two Madrid sides. Um, and, and yeah, to be quite honest, if Real Madrid don't win the league this year, it will be a massive surprise and something will have gone very wrong. I mean, just to touch on, on Sevilla as well, I mean, like you said, I think they had plenty of chances in that first half and, and for me, they should have won the game. They should have been out of sight 2 or 3 nil at that point, even before the, the Bono era. I mean, do you see them being competitive in a title race or do you think they're just going to kind of settle for top four again? Well, I, they've got that terrible record, haven't they? Of, I think it's... 13 years and 38 games now away from home at Barca, Atleti and Real Madrid. They've, they've not won any in La Liga, which is a, a woeful record. But in fairness, since Lopetegui's come in, they have been more competitive. They've, they've had draws at, at Camp Nou. They drew at Valdebebas last season. They were in the title race right until the end last season too. I think they'll be there or thereabouts for the whole campaign. I think they're, they're probably good enough to be second in La Liga without, without a doubt um, in terms of squad depth and quality. Still remains to be seen how well Barca will improve with Xavi. Atleti, we've, we've seen their struggles lately. Real appear to be just falling away slightly now. So I would say Sevilla probably should be looking at at least second and, and trying to push Real Madrid as far as they can in the league. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt. So obviously the 87th minute winner in Madrid for that one. Now let's head over to Villarreal and the Villarreal as they welcomed Barcelona where there was another late goal to take the lead, this time from the visitors, the Catalan side under Xavi Hernandez. So Matt, you spoke to Luis Scatigas, so let's just tune in to the commentary from Memphis's late goal to give Barcelona the advantage and then hear what you had to say with Luis. I'm joined now by Louis Scattergood, our very own VRL fan in our group. It's been a, a very tough couple of weeks of VRL, hasn't it, Louis? Yeah, um, just put it bluntly. Yeah, we can go with that. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been very stressful from a fan point of view, but um, I suppose you get you grow into expect it nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah, it's been. Uh, kind of a, a familiar tale in recent weeks the uh, the Manchester United game and then the Barcelona game this weekend very similar mm. in terms of Villarreal starting well dominating having some great chances but then just kind of shooting themselves in the foot why why do you think this keeps happening um to be honest um it's it's quite difficult to put your finger on it uh, because there's lots of different factors uh, go towards it um, you could blame it just on Emery, his kind of pessimistic approach towards the latter latter sections of the game. Like yesterday, to give you a case study, an example, um, the substitutions he made, bringing off Trigueros, which is one of the most dangerous players in the entire game, for Danny Rabber, who's not entirely proven himself yet. Um, and also... Um, 
I think another reason why the, uh, we're kind of struggling is just the, it boils down to the fact that we don't have Gerald Moreno up front because mm. um, um, it's obvious that he's our main um, goal scorer, our main source of goals up front. Um, and when the team are around him, they kind of play off him, which benefits everyone else as well. So I think um, Dan Juma will come alive as soon as Gerald's back because they'll be creating for each other. Uh, Dan Juma's quite a creative player himself. Um, when Samu took away his uh, back to full fitness and he's starting again, uh, another creative player that I believe um, is still yet to find himself completely. And also, um, you've got Jeremy Pina coming through. Um, so we just realistically, we just have to be patient. I'm glad you mentioned Jeremy because uh, you wrote a piece on him this week for La Liga Lowdown. So check that out on the website, listeners, if you haven't already. How do you assess his his kind of most recent games? It wasn't his greatest performance against Barca, but uh, this season in general, he's he's been good, hasn't he? Jeremy Pino, yeah, of course. Um, a lot of people that I speak to um, over here in England um, are starting to learn about him after his performance in the Champions League, which kind of excites me as a Villarreal fan because he's kind of breaking that fourth wall into into the, um, the European stage and which is which is really exciting, especially only 19 years of old, years of age. Sorry, um, and I, I think he's progressing every game. Every game he, he plays, it's um, he can you can clearly clearly see that he's getting better and better and better. Um, just the statistics aren't there um, in front of goal with the goals and assists, but um, he does provide some sort of buy candy that not many players that we have. Um, kind of translate onto the pitch uh, he isn't a flair player he doesn't show off these um, box office skills down the wing that some players might do like you might expect from Vinicius or something uh, but you, you know what you get with him and um, that is really beneficial for us as a team because we, we're kind of mixed up up front with the, the absences that we have the absences that we have sorry so having that surety that he provides is, is, is very beneficial, in my opinion. Absolutely. And he signed that long-term contract, so he's, he's there to stay for some time yet. Uh, looking ahead to the next few games for Villarreal, they've got the Copa del Rey match, and then it's away to Sevilla, and then that crucial game in Bergamo at, at, against Atalanta. Realistically, what do you expect from, from those games? Um. As I say, I'm a fan, so it's very nerve-wracking. Uh, but I think having this Copa del Rey game um, to kind of break everything apart will be um, it'll it'll be quite beneficial for us, as uh, we'll be able to uh, rotate the squad a little bit, give some rests to those who need it, and um, give a chance to those who also need it. Um, so hopefully, well, I'm assuming I'm. Not saying anything, but I do hope we get a result in that in that uh, in that game. And then going on to Sevilla, obviously they're playing right now, um, playing quite well. Um, so that's obviously not not helping us. But we, we have to beat the best to be the best. So um, I think it, all of these games coming in quick quick succession, it will really uh, speak volumes of the, the squad that we have and how Emery copes with it. And maybe that will lead to a decision whether he stays or not, which I'm, uh, I'm not going to comment on because I'm quite mixed up on that on that front myself. Um, and also with Atalanta, after they drew with Young Boys, I think I'd be quite confident that we. I think we only did a point to go through. So um, with Atalanta, I think that's the, the most confident I feel out of them in Sevilla. So uh, yeah. Well, as you say, yeah, very interesting. A couple of weeks ahead and could be make or break for Emery's tenure. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Louis. And uh, as I said, check out Louis' piece on Jeremy Pino. It's up on the website now, laligalodan.com. Thanks very much, Louis. Take care. Thank you, you too. Thanks very much for that, Matt. And thanks to Louis as well. So, I mean, fantastic drama at Estadio de la Zaramica. And Matt, there was some controversy as well, wasn't there? Yeah, um, I, I have to say that the initial one, the PK handball, I think 
for me personally, it would have been harsh to give that as a penalty because he's sliding in, he's, he's trying to block the ball legitimately, and um, I mean it just kind of bounces up and, and hits his arm. I know, I know it looks bad on the still images, and a lot of um, non-Barca fans were, were very annoyed. Um, but I, again, I think that's a kind of that could go either way. But I think what cannot be in any doubt is is the one in the second half of, of Eric Garcia on on Albiol. Um, I mean, I, I didn't know that... That's a real that... bear hug in the box, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Javier Tebas, if he wants to bring worldwide wrestling into La Liga, then that's, that's how we go about it. But um, yeah, I think Emery was, was very much riled by that. And I think that was probably what led to the kind of uh, bit of spice at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah police I... having to intervene in the tunnel, Javi and, and the Villarreal assistant coach, who, whose name escapes me right now, Emmanuel Ekeriyeth, I think. Clashing in the tunnel and Nuna Yemeni apparently say, shouting at the Barca bench that they've gifted it to them, just like always. I mean, some heated scenes. It all seemed to be a bit more calm after the post-match press conference and things. But yeah, plenty of plenty of refereeing controversy to talk about. Even in the age of VAR, it's, it still keeps us going. It certainly does. And it's worth saying that um, uh, Christina B, the uh, Spanish journalist, she did say that... Uh, after all that kind of incident in the tunnel, Emery did come out and uh, and shake hands with Xavi just before they were doing their media duties. So that was kind of all, all resolved. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, good to hear. Now let's head over to another team fighting for the for the top end of La Liga, Atletico Madrid. And they were in action in Cadiz. And a bit like Villarreal, they didn't have the best result in Europe in midweek. And they were out for a big win in Cadiz in the south of Spain. And they got just that 4-1 victory. So let's tune in to some of the commentary there. And then we'll have a listen to what Carla Fernandez, part of the La Liga Lowdown squad, had to say. Hermoso de vuelo para Carrasco. Va a encarar Carrasco. Ahora sí. Se viene a la frontal del área. Saca el centro. Segundo palo. Gol de Lemar. Gol, 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 gol del Atlético de Madrid. Gol, gol, gol. Del Atlético de Madrid. Gol del Atlético Aviación porque es tras un centro. Lateral de Carrasco a la cabeza del inesperado Lemar. Al segundo palo mete la cabeza el francés. Once de la segunda en Carranza. So I'm joined now by Carla Fernandez, who's a, an Atlético season ticket holder, Sofia as well. Carla, what did you what did you make of that game? Um, to be honest, in my opinion, I think the first half was terrible. Zero shots on target. Uh, I don't think there was actually any shots at all. But the second half improved a lot. I think it was that first goal. You could see on, on Simeone's face as well what it meant. He just kind of, he felt relieved as soon as it went in. And I think it, everything kind of started to flow, a bit more momentum. As well, I think when Suarez came off and Correa, who in my opinion is uh, our best attacking player, at least the most explosive and the one who most makes the game uh, flow, I think everything kind of bettered from there. And Cunha was pretty good as well today, I think. He got an assist and a goal. And in my opinion, I think he should be starting uh, next week against Mallorca. But I do understand that Simeone is very hesitant to leave Suarez on the bench. Yeah, well, a bit on Simeone, first of all. I mean, obviously this week, the, the defeat to, to AC Milan in midweek was a big blow for the Champions League hopes. I mean, this was the result that Diego Simeone needed. Were you one of those who were criticising him in midweek? I mean, I can't criticise him. I, I just It's what I always say. I'll go to the ends of the earth with him. But I do think he's he's getting some things wrong in the Champions League. I don't think Kogge should be starting. He just hasn't got that rhythm that is needed in these big matches. You saw that against Liverpool. You saw it in the first match, especially against Milan. Even against Porto, who were a little bit more slow tempo at the Metropolitano. I think... Uh, it should be Rodrigo de Paul, Llorente and Lemar, or maybe Connovia even in the <clears throat> in the midfield. But as well as Suarez, I think he just hasn't got what it takes anymore to be to play in these high tempo matches, to be honest. That's my opinion. Yeah, and on Luis Suarez, you touched on it earlier as well. I mean, he's played in every single match for Atletico Madrid this season. Do you think that it's time that he had a bit of a break? I mean, he's thirty four years old, his legs we were talking about Luis Suarez's legs a few years ago, so it's no surprise really, but he does look very tired, doesn't he? I think I would agree with you that Atleti looked a much better team once he came off and, and Correa and Cunha, who, who haven't been able to get a chance in the team lately, were both much more kind of explosive, much more impactful and, and really seem to give Caddy some problems. Yeah, I do. I do think he needs a little bit of a rest and not so much a rest, 
But maybe to gain that motivation that he did have one, uh, when he first got here, he wanted to prove himself. Maybe sitting him on the bench for a little while. No, I'm not saying for a whole games. Maybe just one game against Mallorca now that you can do that and you don't really need Suarez. Bring him on in the 70th minute maybe, for example. But give Cunha that chance to provide as well a little bit of competition for Suarez to say, OK, I can't relax. There's someone here who's actually can gun for my spot. It's not just me going to play every single game. And I suppose you could say that the same is, is true at Atletico Madrid in defence. I mean, there's only really four central defenders and playing that three at the back system. I mean, the defence looked a bit shaky again in Cali. What did you did you make of that performance defensively? Yeah, I think I think it was better, but as well, it was a little better than against Milan. But I also think the rival isn't really proposing much offensively. So how can it be worse, to be honest? I think Hermoso lacks a lot defensively. Um, Jimenez obviously came off injured again, although it looks like it was uh, from a knock. It isn't something muscular, thank God. And Savic has kind of just come back to this inconsistency that hit and miss, good game, bad game. So, yeah. And then Llorente, obviously, wing back, well... What's the other options, really? Versalico, who kind of seems to not know what he's doing when he plays. And I mean, Mario Hermoso, his form of late hasn't been the best, has it? No, I think... I mean, what are the options? I think this is a problem with the club, not Simeone or the player in himself. I think they should have brought in, really, another left-footed centre-back that knows how to play in a back three and can play in that position that Hermoso plays in. But if Simeone wants to keep this system with three at the back, you don't really have another option, to be honest, on that left side. Yeah, and a, a very rare occasion, but a Jan Oblak mistake. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I No matter how many times I watch it, I'm not sure if it's his fault. I don't know if he if he gets his hands under that. Is it going to hit the, the crossbar and come back in? I don't know, honestly, what he was trying to do. I don't know if it's his fault, if it's just that he misjudges it. I don't know. He has been a little shaky this season. I don't know if it's because the defence is not helping him in that sense or it's just a lack of confidence there. Yeah, looking a little bit unsure of himself, which we're not used to seeing. So what do you think then, Carla? I mean, obviously big disappointment in midweek and then this result on Sunday night was a big boost. Do you think Atleti will go on a better run now with this kind of confidence boost with the subs coming on and making an impact? I mean, what are your thoughts for the next few weeks and obviously the, the Derby Madrileño, which is just around the corner as well? I'd like to think this is going to get things moving and a better momentum, especially with Mallorca. I think it's going to be a case of can you get three, four goals and really believe that you can do the same in Porto because if you draw nil-nil, for example, or just win one nil like against Osasuna... I don't think you go to Porto thinking, yes, we can do this. What I literally have to do is go to Porto, win that match, score a bag full of goals because it's obviously possible. Liverpool did it. I think they won 5-0. I'm not saying I led the Liverpool, but I do think it's possible. And then just see from there. Obviously, then you have Real Madrid, you have Sevilla. They're not going to be easy games. And hopefully Real Madrid do drop some points now. I think they're playing Real Sociedad as well soon. Uh, it's it's a difficult one. I'm I'm not too optimistic about it, but I do think if the momentum gets going, maybe we can kind of still be in the title race in January. Yeah, fingers crossed to, to keep that title race going. So let's head back to the rest of the action. Thanks for joining us, Carla. Thank you very much. So as we heard, the things are getting tight up at the top, but one team that has fallen away a little bit of late is Real Sociedad Matt going into this week Real Sociedad was 17 games without a defeat dating back to the opening day of the season and then in the space of four days they've lost twice what's gone wrong at Real Sociedad who of course fell to a 1-0 defeat to Espanyol on Sunday yeah it was another one of those performances where on another day they would have scored and probably won if they'd gone in front but um it just, it just feels like the same thing is happening again, which happened last season. They, they had a really strong start. People were talking about them as kind of potential contenders for the title, you know, in, including myself. I, I've kind of bigged them up a lot. They have had their injuries and they've had their kind of 
many Europa League games and, and therefore that kind of Thursday, Sunday grind, which, which can affect you over time. And, and yeah, I know Oyathabal is back now. Um, I'm not saying that's the cause of these defeats, but uh, it's just a, an unhappy coincidence. But uh, I think in general, they're struggling to score. They've only scored more than twice once this season, and that was in that 3-2 win at Granada. So generally, they're only scoring one, maybe two a game. And, you know, when they don't have the luck in front of goal, I think uh, Yanazai uh, hit, the, hit the post today, um, a good save as well. Many saves from Diego Lopez, in fact. And uh, yeah, there was a kind of weird one where Isaac thought he'd scored, but Mateo Laos had to, dis or VAR disallowed it because it had hit Lahoz in the build-up. And they were saying, well, why didn't you stop it straight away? Very bizarre situation, because I think most of us kind of kind of know that if it hits the referee, you have to just restart the game. But uh, the fact you that the last continue... You can't be criticising Mateo Lahoz. Well, I mean, why we not? can criticise anyone in Spanish football, but not Mateo Lahoz. <laughs> blasphemy, blasphemy on a Sunday night. But... Um, yeah, it's disappointing because you feel like you feel like they're capable of more and they've made it really hard for themselves in the Europa League. Now they have to beat PSV. They're guaranteed that they're going to be in some form of European competition, but if they don't get the result in match day six, it's going to be the Conference League, um, which could be fun. You never know, but uh, I'm sure it's not what they would have had in mind after last season and, and the start they had this season. To be fair to Imanol, after the game, he said there's no excuses. We're not going to blame the referee or... Or um, or anything for that defeat. Uh, for that defeat, it was just uh, we didn't take our chances, and Espanyol did. And it's worth saying Espanyol have been really solid at home. Um, I think along with Rayo and Barça, they're the top three sides if you take only home form this season. So that's, that's a really strong start to the season for them, and uh, they were very well organised today. Kept Real at arm's length, and uh, just about on the balance of play, you'd say just about deserved it. So uh, yeah, Real Sociedad. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be tough for them now to kind of be in the title race, but I can certainly see them still striving to kind of finish sort of fourth, fifth. Yeah, and I think when they've had their rough days, I mean, I think we saw one before against Hatafe when they only picked up a point there when Hatafe were without a win. I think those kinds of off days yeah. for Real Sociedad when they don't turn up, they're really not a team yet, at least, that can kind of grind out a, a result when, when things aren't going their way. So they're a very young side. I think they've still got room to improve and maybe we won't even see that this season but I'd like to think that in the near future we'll see them kind of build up a bit more consistency after the last two years of kind of getting to around the winter time and then falling away so so I'm sure that's what Real Sociedad fans will be hoping for next season It's okay though they've only got Real Madrid next after the Copa <laughs> Why did you say that Matt? Poor Real Sociedad fans are never going to tune in to us again Great. No, no. Let's move on then. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll be visiting into the mid-table in the bottom half of La Liga where there were plenty of big results and big changes and even a new managerial appointment. So stay tuned and we'll be back shortly. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to La Liga Loden and our match day 15 recap of the weekend action in Spain. And things are getting very tight at the bottom now. I mean, we had three big clashes, one of them a, a clash between two direct rivals towards the bottom of La Liga as Mallorca hosted Getafe. And that one ended in a nil-nil draw. We also saw that Alaves fell to a home defeat to Celta Vigo, putting up a good fight, but they couldn't quite see it out. And then we also had the final result on Sunday for the bottom teams with Real Betis thrashing Levante. And Matt, just how long is that Levante run without a win now? Well, it's now 23 league matches without a win for Levante. It dates back to April. That was against Eibar, who of course got relegated anyway. Um, the last time they beat uh, a current La Liga side was actually Valencia in the derby, and that was March. So it really has been a 2021 to forget for Levante. And frankly, it hasn't improved with the change of coach. Um, They they might even need to look at making another change again because it's genuinely pretty torrid now. They took the lead uh, at the Benito Villamarín, Mustafi, his first uh, La Liga goal for over six years. But, um, you know, and and they held on to half-time. But then once Betis got one, you just knew, you know, the heads, the heads weren't, the body language was was kind of here we go again. And, you know, the form that Betis are in, especially at home, you, you just fancied them to, to roll them over. And that's exactly what they did. Um, yeah, in terms of that streak that, that you mentioned, 23 games now, it's only one away from the record worst streak ever in La Liga history, which, quite frankly, it looks like they'll probably equal it. I think they play Osasuna next. Um, which is not the ideal team, you know, you think maybe they can get a point there, but in terms of winning, you just can't see it. Yeah, we saw Paco Pollitt on the group WhatsApp. I mean, anybody who's ever heard of Paco Pollitt ran on the podcast or in a video. <laughs> I don't think you'll be prepared for quite what he was saying about Javi Pereira today. <laughs> no, not his biggest fan. But um, on the flip side, um, well, you know, the one, the one saving grace could be that We've got the cut coming up in midweek now, so he can just throw a load of different players in. Um, you never know; it might be the thing to kickstart their season. But uh, they really need very optimistic because... thinking there, Matt. No, I mean, well, what did you think of the other two teams? I mean, Alaves we've seen a bit of an improvement of late, and, and they would have hoped to take something against Celta Vigo at home. And again, Hetafe. I mean, for me, Hetafe are the team who I'm most confident about climbing out of the bottom three because they are starting to pick up points. Maybe a point against Mallorca isn't all that impressive, but you get enough points on the road in away fixtures. I mean, it wasn't a pretty one. I don't think there's too much to talk about in that nil-nil draw, but Hetafe are improving, aren't they? Without doubt. I mean, you look at the just the comparison, eight games under Michel, seven defeats, one draw, and then since the arrival of Kike Sanchez-Flores, they've had two wins, three draws, and only two defeats. And crucially, they've kept clean sheets in back-to-back games for the first time in over a year now. So you can really start to see the foundations being laid for them to climb out of trouble. And, and as you say, there, there's a lot of optimism now. That that first win was absolutely crucial. Beating Espanyol with those two goals from Enes and now uh, back in at the end of October. That really felt like a turning point. And, you know, you look you look at it, they absolutely thrashed Caddy last weekend. And then to go to Mallorca and get a nil-nil draw, that's, that's a decent result. You know, Mallorca are pretty good at home. They will look at that and say, that's a game we have to win, Mallorca, if we want to stay up, because because they're now seven without a win, and they're going to be under pressure. Um, so it's all kind of tightening up a little bit, because you've got Alaves who have kind of come out of it. You've got uh, Felta, who are still in it, really, but uh, they, they had a win. And, and Hitafe are uh, looking like they're showing some promising signs too. So that, that relegation mix is going to get really interesting in the next few weeks. Yeah, so just one quick word on another team down there and fighting as well, Matt. I mean, Elche brought in a new coach uh, to replace Fanny Scriba, and that was Francisco, the former Girona Huesca uh, coach who, who's kind of done the rounds at teams at the bottom end of La Liga, top end of, of Segunda. What do you make of that appointment? They're obviously in action on Monday night against Osasuna, but we will see Francisco yes, uh, next weekend. I mean, what do you think of 
of that decision. Yeah, I mean, we understand he won't be in the dugout in time for Monday night's match against Osasuna, but he will take charge for the, the Copa del Rey game midweek. Um, yeah, I think I think it could have been a worse appointment. I think the, the talk of another Argentine returning, whether it was, uh, I mean, a big name in, in Hernan Crespo would have been a massive gamble because he just doesn't know uh, European coaching or La Liga, for sure. Um, obviously, he's played in Serie A and the Premier League, but he's got no experience of, of La Liga. And there was even talk that Jorge Almiron could even return, and that would have been a car crash, really, to be honest, um, given how it ended last time. Then there was talk of Paolo Machin, which would have been an interesting one. Again, he's kind of done the rounds as well, so I think it's a kind of similar type of profile. Uh, Francisco hasn't got the same experience in La Liga as others, but at the same time, I think he's quite a likeable guy. I think you can kind of get behind his ideas a little bit and and see if, if he can start to to improve them because they have a decent squad. They've got some good goal scorers there if they just get the right balance. Um, there's certainly, I'd say there's certainly three worst squads to be honest in La Liga. So they've got a fighting chance. It's quite ironic actually because when Elche came up in that kind of miracle promotion push with Pacheta, it was uh, Francisco's Girona which were on the wrong end of that at playoff final. So yeah, it's a very strange irony. Famously tearing into the grounds people Elche on the the quality of the pitch so they might not be too happy to see him turn up in the dugout absolutely yeah now he'll be uh having control of that so yeah it's um it's football isn't it anything can happen and and it's a strange the way things come around but um yeah yeah anything can happen i think that's a good way to describe the action we saw on friday night as well another coach under pressure and robert moreno in granada but they went 2-1 up at san mames and then it was only a late goal, the Freak. the total chaos in the box, which which saw Athletic equalise. So let's just tune into that commentary before we hand over to you, Matt, as you speak to Granada fan Heath Chester. <laughs> I'm joined now by Heath Chester's Granada fan and expert in all things in Granada. Uh, a 2-2 draw on Friday night at San Mamés, but when Angel Montoro gave that gift uh, in the opening minutes, which Raul Garcia tucked away, you must have thought you were in for a long night. Um, it, it wouldn't have been surprising because the last few years, Granada not really uh, done so well at San Mamés, uh, whether it's been through their own mistakes or through some decidedly debatable refereeing decisions over the last few years, but um, they now, after after going behind after that, they did well to to pull it back, turn the game around, um, and I think in the end, all things considered, with the the injuries that they had to put up with to keep players, um, it was a good point. Um, whether it's enough long term for for the manager, uh, it's difficult to say because there was talk uh, last week locally through Ideal Granada and their journalist uh, Rafael Lamelas mm-hmm. that um, Granada were sort of discreetly in talks with Francisco, uh-huh. who has now joined as Elche manager. Yes, of uh, so for that to be going on in the background suggests that they are preparing for the worst. Um, and I think had they lost against Bilbao, um, it could have been the end of his reign as, as Granada manager. It, it hasn't helped with all the injuries uh, that Granada have been picking up, that he's, he's rarely had his strongest 11 to pick from. Mm. Uh, and over the next few weeks with crucial games against uh, direct rivals, if you will, as they always say here in Spain, um, in the bottom half of the table, uh, they need to be picking up from the next four or five games at least three wins. Um, I think if they, if they lose the next game, his position could be very dicey. Um, what if, a lot of the problems are at Granada at the moment stem from a lot of changes in the background. Yeah. Uh, it's not the same director general. It's not the same sporting director. Uh, lots of other administrative staff have gone and been replaced by others uh, because the Chinese owners have taken more direct control, um, appointing their own people to the board. And as far as I'm aware, Patricia Rodriguez, who is now the director general, uh, is the only Spaniard on board. Um, when the Chinese takeover started, they brought in Paco Hemeth and he was gone after six games uh, because they didn't sign the players he needed. 
to play his brand of football. And it's a little bit of a similar situation now because obviously Robert Moreno hasn't got the sort of players to play the football that he wants to deploy. And ultimately, that's why Granada is struggling and mostly um, through errors uh, because the players aren't accustomed and still aren't accustomed to that sort of style of play. Yeah, we saw that on Friday night as we touched on. But as you say, the recovery was very good. And it was great to see Darwin Machis back to his best that we saw so effectively under Diego Martinez in the past couple of seasons. How key do you think he could be in the coming games? Well, I think the important thing for him is to get back in his rhythm. Um, he has had some problems off the pitch um, in the last year or so, um, which Diego Martinez managed to, uh, to control uh, and keep the player focused on his football. Um, unfortunately, he had some marital marital problems, and um, that effect obviously affected him, uh, his lifestyle and his focus and concentration. But as I say, Diego Martinez managed to control that. I don't know if Robert Moreno has managed to control that as well, uh, because there was talk around the transfer window that he wanted away. Mm. Diego Martinez left, so I think it's taken a while to get that sort of focus back and if he can be focused steered in the right direction Granada have got a fantastic player uh, but again they need to make the most of his attributes and yeah. I don't think they're, they're fully doing that similarly to, to other players like um, Luis Suarez uh, Granada's most expensive ever signing and the style of football Granada are playing I don't think is ideally suited to him so th th this goes all back to the, the style of play and getting the, the best out of the players because my sort of preference for managers and managers that are adaptable um, and build the tactics around the players yeah. and their attributes to get the most of the qualities that the players can offer. Um, and, and again, it, it it's it, it's a completely different kettle of fish to to Diego Martinez. Absolutely. And when you're in the position that Granada find themselves in at the moment, it is all about results rather than style at this moment. Speaking of uh, players which could be important, though, we've mentioned it many times, but uh, Jorge Molina, like a fine wine, he, he put Granada ahead on Friday night with uh, another of his kind of typical goals, just in the right place at the right time. And yeah, he's, he's still scoring goals. Um, I think fourth or fifth oldest goal scorer in La Liga history. How does he do it? How does he keep going so strong? Well, there's, a, there's an interesting stat. Um, I, I've not been able to pick up doing some of my own research, whether he, he picked up injuries at other clubs throughout his lengthy career now, um, mm. but he's never been injured at Granada. Uh, even last season when Granada had uh, players struggle with COVID, they had players, they, they had a, an injury crisis in the midst of the Europa League campaign, yeah. um, which they managed to overcome. But he was the only player in the squad last season that didn't get injured at all, not even a muscular tweak or anything. Mm. Um, he just seems to be evergreen. Uh, he, he obviously, he looks after himself, but it's just a, a phenomenal stat that a player who's 40 uh, effectively is is never picked up even a minor injury. Um, so he, he just seems untouchable. And obviously, he's a good influence for the players around him. Um, yeah. I mean, as you can gather from from my posts on, on Twitter, he's, he's a player that I really admire. Um, don't know whether this will be his last season or not, but... You know, as long as the guy can keep at the same sort of level he's at now, I don't see why not another year or two. Um, Absolutely. As long as someone like Roger Mir did when he played in Italia 90. <laughs> great to see. Yeah, well, as as you say, a great testament to, to himself to keep playing at the level that he is and to keep contributing. Well, we'll see how Granada get on in the next few games. As you say, a very important fixture list coming between now and Christmas. And uh, it could yet be... Um, turbulent times for Robert Moreno but uh, thanks very much for joining us today Heath and uh, we always love having you on the show and we look forward to hearing from you again soon you're welcome thanks very much for that Matt and thanks also to Heath for joining us as well so now let's turn our attentions to MVP and most valued player of match day 15 and the weekend's action so Matt get us started who is your first pick well I'm going to stick with Friday night and Granada because Jorge Molina uh, he just showed what's possible when you reach the uh, grand old age of, of, what, 39, nearly 40. Um, a goal and an assist at San Mamés. Fantastic performance from him. 
and uh, he just keeps going. As Heath mentioned, he, he's timeless, he's, he's, very, he's fit as a fiddle, and yeah, long might continue from Granada's perspective. Fantastic, yeah. I think I'm going to go for the, the obvious one of this weekend, which is Juanmi, the Betis striker who scored a hat-trick against Levante. I mean, OK, we've already spoken about Levante and their weaknesses, but to score a hat-trick is always impressive. And I mean, I think he had four shots in total, scored with three of them. And obviously his hat-trick goal, he was waiting for, for almost three minutes for a VAR check on the offside. But he did get it, and I think... Juan Mi is one of those players who this season is really starting to kind of stand out and I think that they've really needed kind of a, a goal scorer who could be prolific, be consistent at Betis and they just haven't found that. But Juan Mi now is starting to put together a bit of form, some important goals. I mean, we've seen him score two goals already this season. I think he scored against Celtic in, in the Europa League. He scored two and then he's been involved in, in some other big games as well. I mean, Valencia he scored there against Elche last weekend as well so I mean he is starting to, to kind of stand out and be a, a really important player for Betis and, and I think this win is the kind of the first time that we've seen him kind of be the star that that Manuel Pellegrini's needed and and the perfect timing really as well I mean looking at the lineup and things I mean William Jose was was very effective but they built a quite nice link between the two of those so I think for me Juanmi was was the star of the weekend I mean you can't deny it to somebody that scores a hat-trick right not at all. Top Spanish scorer now, overtaking RDT, and uh, his first ever hat trick. So you can't begrudge him, can you? Not at all. Go on then, Matt. Who's your your second pick of the weekend? Well, I'm going to stick with the old guard, to be honest. Um, sticking up for the pensioners of La Liga here, um, Diego Lopez yet again is just he's he almost defies belief because he's 40 now and yet he's still performing at such a high level. I mean, he leads the side. He conceded the next year 1.69 against Real Sociedad, but he didn't concede a single goal. Made five saves, threw them in the box. Um, you know, Espanyol, they, they're going to need their keeper at times this season because there will be games where they are under the cosh quite a lot, especially even at home. And with Diego Lopez in goal, you, can, you just feel reliable. You feel safe and calm with him behind, behind the defence. And uh, yeah, he's had such a very long and successful career playing some of the biggest clubs in Spain. And uh, and yeah, now he's enjoying the kind of a lovely autumn in his career. So long may that continue. Yeah, and I think Real Sociedad's XG in this game was 1.69, 10 shots in total. I mean, they really should have been scoring. I think if they were up against a goalkeeper in not quite such good form, they they almost certainly would have, right? Surely, yeah. And some of the saves were, were kind of routine, as you'd expect. But equally, again, when you factor his age in, you think he's done well to get there. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, good on him. Exactly. And then, well, my fourth choice pick, my fourth selection for MVP, down in Cali, I think Thomas Lamar was was crucial for, for Atletico Madrid. I think they had a few different players who turned up. And, I mean, I think Antoine Griezmann really picked up in the second half. Yannick Garasco as well, both kind of very involved in, in everything good about Atletico's play in the second half. But the only player for me who kind of came away with with any credit from the first half was Thomas Lamar and he really picked up in the second half as well. I mean, he scored that headed goal. I mean, you don't think of headers and Thomas Lamar in the same sentence. But I mean, we were just discussing that's his first headed goal in a league fixture, only the second headed goal in his career to date. And I mean, it's not the kind of goal you expect him to score, but he was in there doing the dirty work. Then the second goal, he was crucially involved as well. And I think that's where he has such an important role to play at the moment. I mean, Marco Chirente at right wing back. I've said before that I don't think it really gets the best out of him, but Lamar in the second half started to kind of provide that link for Llorente to keep those overlapping runs like he would usually do with Kieran Trippier. I think that worked really well, and it was what we saw in the second goal when, when Griezmann scored as well. So I think Lamar was kind of at the centre of, of a lot of the good things that Atletico Madrid were doing. I mean, Griezmann goal and assist, Carrasco another assist, but for me Thomas Lamar was the kind of the guy who unlocked this fixture and to get the three points for Atletico, so he's my selection. Good choice. Yeah. Lots of French connection for Atleti today, but he was at the heart of it. Exactly that, exactly that. So Matt, let's tie it up here. Just one more stop before we end the the podcast. So what was your moment of the week? 
Well, there's a fair few to choose from. I think Atleti's third goal, Correa, that was a really nice goal. Fan fabulous interchange. Great finish as well from Correa, who I think has been underused lately. I think you agree with that too. Um, and of course, you know, Vinny's, Vinny's winning goal was sensational, but I, I have to go with, with Juanmi. Um, you know, that, that hat-trick, like you say, the, the first time it's happened, the weight, the way he's become such a pivotal figure for Betis, I, I have to say he's he's my moment of the week. How about you? I'm going to go for something a little bit different this week. So something not on the pitch, but rather in the stands. And it was the 19th minute of Mestalla. Valencia just scored a penalty, Carlos Soler, to go 1-0 up against Rayo Vallecano. A tough opposition. They proved good value for their draw. But it was also a, pro, a protest for the Valencia fans. I mean, there were fans outside Mestalla before the game handing out posters saying Lim go home and then as the goal was scored almost the fans lifted those posters up and began to chant Peter vete ya, Peter leave now to the owner of the club and, and I think it was quite impressive not so much happy or a sad or it was a very difficult emotion I guess to describe but to see kind of all of the fans so many of them unified in in that message and and to chant it at such volume around the stadium I mean rather than celebrating the goal I think it really kind of sent home the strength of their of their feelings so for me that was my moment of the week yeah overwhelming wasn't it and and feels like it's going to resonate yeah and there's more protests planned in in december as well as as fans continue their efforts to try and force peter lim out of the club seems like they've got a real battle on their hands and i'm sure we'll be hearing more from paco pollitt on that in the next few weeks as well so so keep an eye out for that but also keep an eye out this week and, and we're going to have some some strong opinion from has karim on on our blog, he's got a strong take on the Ballon d'Or, whatever <laughs> way that may go on Monday, and Messi, we will be, <laughs> and we will also be covering all the action in the Copa del Rey in midweek before we're back again next weekend with another round of La Liga fixtures. So, stay tuned. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Pleasure as always. Thank you very much. And now let's play it out with the sound of some rather angry Valencia fans at this time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.